You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. In the United States, progressives talk about Denmark as a kind of Scandinavian heaven. The liberal economist and writer Paul Krugman went there last August. I asked him to read this tongue-in-cheek tweet he sent when he got back. Hey, I just got home from Denmark. It's an absolute hellhole of pleasant holiday homes, very nice cars, cute restaurants, and bike and pedestrian-friendly cities. The socialist nightmare in full. And in many ways, depending on your point of view, it is the socialist nightmare or dream. Danes pay a lot in taxes, and they get a lot from their government in return. Medical care. Child support. The education. Nurseries are heavily subsidized. And then there's paid parental leave. Denmark gives new parents an entire year off when they have a baby. That is really different from the United States. We are the only industrialized nation in the entire world without paid family leave. Denmark's year of paid leave sounds great on paper. But as I found out later, the experience of dads in Denmark actually isn't that different from dads over here. You might say that something is um, rotten in the state of Denmark. From the Vox Media Podcast Network, this is The Impact, a show about how policy shapes people's lives. I'm Sarah Cliff. we have crisscrossed the country. We have looked at how cities and states are experimenting with solutions to some of our country's biggest problems. This is our season finale, and we are going international. We're off to Copenhagen, Denmark. In the summer, Copenhagen is the best. Beautiful and family-friendly. Clean and nice and also very safe city to be in. A sense of freedom. Easy to bike. I love the city. Denmark has solved a lot of problems through policy. The country has really low rates of poverty, crime, inequality. But we are not here to tell you another Scandinavian fairy tale. Not everything in Denmark is perfect. Take their parental leave policies. Denmark is offering dads really generous leave, but most dads aren't taking much time off. This really surprised me. I actually had a baby this last June, and I am really lucky to work for a company that gives new parents three months off paid in full. 
But my husband only got two weeks of paid leave, and that's actually considered generous in the United States. He ended up taking a bunch of vacation and sick days just to get more time with me and our new baby. My name is Daniel Freed, and I am an avid listener of this podcast. And? I'm your husband. I asked him to think back to the summer and what it was like not having as much time off with our son. I don't really think I got into the swing of things. I didn't really feel like I mastered any of the skills that are necessary to really do well at at taking care of a child any day. I kind of felt like this weird mix of like guilt and jealousy. And like the guilt was because you know, you could do things and you did things well and I wasn't able to and so you'd end up doing more of those things. And then jealousy because you were able to figure out ways to get Max to stop crying or figure out ways to put him down for naps. And I was just kind of like trying to piece it together on the weekends and at night and it just never really went so well. And you seem to, you know, just get the hang of being a parent a little bit easier than it was for me. And I think maybe that had to do with the amount of time you took off. If we were Danish, how do you think we would have split up this year of paid leave the government was helping to finance? I would have wanted to probably have the first three months with you. And then after that, I think it got a little easier. So then we would have broken up the remaining six months. So you think we would have split it equally? Like I would take half the leave, you would take half the leave. Yeah, I mean, I don't see... I mean, unless there's like some good reason not to. No, I think we would have split it too, but that's actually the reason we're doing this podcast is it turns out Danish dads barely take any leave. What's labor force participation like for women in Denmark? This was not the reaction I was expecting. It turns out when you marry an economist, they approach things from an economic perspective. But when we got past the labor data, I asked him how he really felt about Danish dads not taking leave. It seems kind of weird that they wouldn't take more. I agree. I think that's why someone should make a podcast episode about it. Luckily, my producer, Jillian Weinberger, has been making this exact podcast episode. She has kind of become an expert in Danish leave policy. So she is here to explain how it all works. Hi, Sarah. Okay. Happy new Danish family. Mom and dad, they have a baby. What kind of leave do they get? Even before the baby is born, mom gets a month off for the end of her pregnancy. So that sounds really nice because you're really exhausted at the end of pregnancy. And then what happens after the baby is born? After the baby is born, there are three months that are just for mom. She's recovering from giving birth. She's probably breastfeeding. And then there are two weeks that are just for dad. And then there are these eight months left over. And the parents can split that up however they want. So I found it very helpful to think of it like a teeter-totter. When dad takes more time off, he's higher up in the air. Mom takes less time off. She's closer to the ground or vice versa. And it's the same for same-sex couples or adoptive parents. So my husband and I, we could have done like four and four, five and three. It's kind of up to us. Exactly. And is all that time paid in some way? Most people's employers actually pay them their full salary for part of the time. You might get four or five months paid at your full salary, and then the Danish government after that will give you a stipend. It's a percentage of your salary. So we're talking about a year off, all of it paid at some level, but you found that dads just aren't taking advantage of it? Yeah. On average, mom is taking 10 months off. Dad is taking one month. I found this really wild, and this is why I went to Denmark. 
two big reasons why Danish dads aren't taking leave. One is economic, the other is cultural. And I'm going to start with that cultural piece. More specifically, workplace culture. In Denmark, the best place to learn about workplace culture is unions. Danes love unions. 80% of the country is covered by some kind of collective bargaining agreement. And that includes all kinds of workers. Electricians, mechanics, doctors, professors, and everything in between. For most Danes, how and when they work depends on their union. So, when I landed in Copenhagen last August, I went to see Nana Holland. I'm the vice president of the Confederations of Unions in Denmark. Holland is tall and blonde and, when we met, very tan. She had just returned from summer vacation, back to work. The Confederation of Unions is like the union for the unions. So we have 18 members, and they're all unions themselves. And what we do for them is that we help them. Every time their problems seems to be too big for them, we take over. We talked in this conference room, and the walls were covered in political cartoons from Danish newspapers. They were of union leadership from over the years. The leaders of the union are pretty well known in, in Denmark. Yes, people who read the main papers, they will know it. Imagine knowing the leaders of your country's union so well, you'd recognize the cartoon version of them in your daily paper. That is the case in Denmark. And Holland's union is the biggest of them all, a million members altogether. That's nearly a fifth of the Danish population. So Holland has a lot of contact with working fathers. And she told me a pretty revealing story about what it's like to be a Danish man considering some time off with his new baby. A story from her own family. It involves a kind of cake. My uh, son-in-law, who is an uh, electrician, he had to give a kind of cake at his workplace when my daughter got pregnant. And I will try to find a way in English for it. It was a fool's cake. That's what a man in a building construction place has to give to his colleagues when his wife is pregnant. But he was with a smile, of course, but what's, that's the word they use for it. This took me a minute. He had to bring the cake yeah. because he was going to take leave? or No, just... Just in that time, because she was pregnant, now he will have to stay home sometimes because the child was sick. and So he's not that free man anymore who could just go in his workplace all day long. That was what the culture was saying. He was laughing, of course. He brought the cake and everything was fine, but, but he told me he thought it was so silly. But you have to bring the cake. I asked around about this cake thing, and apparently in Denmark, if you mess up, or if you fail to live up to expectations, you're expected to laugh at yourself and bake a kvike, a fool's cake, or a failure cake. And Holland's son-in-law had to bake one because his coworkers thought he was a fool to get his wife pregnant. It was in fun, but it also says a lot about his workplace culture. Some people are working to change that culture, but it's tough. The boss are making jokes about them taking parental leave. This is Rasmus Horn Langhoff. I'm a member of the Danish parliament and I've been for about seven years now. When I visited him last summer, Langhoff was in the middle of his re-election campaign. We sat side by side in his office in front of a whiteboard covered in campaign ideas. A lot of my campaign is about infrastructure. Actually, I was in the States at the election in 2008 going door-to-door and making phone banking. So a lot of the inspiration is from uh, that election. 
But Langhoff is a lot more liberal than President Obama. Socially, his party is pretty far to the left. And I went to see him because he's their spokesperson on gender equality. When it comes to parental leave, he wants to see dads take three, four, maybe five months. That's much better for gender equality in the society and at the workplace. That's what he did when his wife had their son recently. I was out of the parliament for four months altogether. But parliament is an unusual place to work. Like Holland, Langhoff thinks a lot of dads don't take leave because of workplace culture. They hear things from coworkers like, You cannot breastfeed. Why should you be with your child? You don't have to make an effort now. Wait till the kids are big enough to play football. All that kind of macho humor. And even then, if dad wants to take time off, They have to discuss it with the mother. A lot of people see that as only the mother's right. Including the mother's. The cultural barriers to dads taking leave don't just crop up at work. They're also at home. I met one couple, Patrick and Camilla, at their spacious apartment just outside Copenhagen. It's great to meet you. Yeah, you too. How are you? They had their daughter, Anine, in March. Patrick works for an ad agency. He took the two weeks the government sets aside for dads just after Anine was born. Camilla had a temporary job before she had her daughter. It ended just before she gave birth, so Camilla took all of their shared leave. Now... Patrick thought they might have chosen a different arrangement if he weren't the only one working. If you had a job, we might have shared it. Camilla raised her eyebrows. If you're allowed. Yeah. So in and out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Camilla was laughing, but I got the sense that it would be really hard for her to give up her leave, to give it to Patrick. But in an ideal world where, let's say, we had the same pay, we would probably split the, the maternity leave. But they aren't in an ideal world. Economically, it pays off with me just keep working because otherwise I would get a little down in income during that period when I'm on maternity pay. Which brings us to the second big reason why Danish dads aren't taking time off. Economics. Like every country, Denmark has a gender wage gap. Danish men earn more than Danish women. So it's more costly for men to take time off when their babies are born. You can see this pretty clearly with Camilla and Patrick. Other than those two required weeks, Patrick had no paid time off from his work. If he took more leave, he'd have to take the government stipend. That's a lot lower than his salary. Patrick taking time off would hurt their family economically at a time when they have a lot of new expenses. And even if Camilla had a full-time job, there's a good chance she'd earn less than her husband. Again, because of the pay gap. In Denmark, it's 17%. So that's pretty huge for a modern democracy. And a society who sees itself as very equal gender-wise, so it's also a little more expensive for the family if the father should take a lot of parental leave. I went to Denmark to figure out why Danish men aren't taking leave. And I learned that part of the problem is cultural. Part of the problem is economic, the gender wage gap. Basically, what I saw here is a really frustrating catch-22. The gender wage gap makes it hard for dads to take leave. But if dads don't take leave, the gap only gets worse. It's always been the women that have taken the majority of the leave. 
Sienhald Anderson is a researcher at the Rockwell Foundation, which is a think tank in Copenhagen. And she studies parental leave and how it affects women at work. For her, that research starts in the home. A new baby changes how families work. A lot of the way you organize the family starts when the child is born. A baby brings a whole new set of responsibilities. Feeding, changing, doctor's appointments, waking up in the middle of the night. And that's all on top of household chores. Cleaning, cooking, laundry. The parent that takes more leave tends to do more of that household labor. And that's usually mom. Once these patterns start, they're really hard to change. And that can hurt mom when she goes back to work. Often, the things hindering women is their family obligations. But remember, the majority of Danish family leave is like a teeter-totter. If dad takes more time off, mom takes less. She spends more time at work. And, Anderson found, mom earns more money. I want to pause here because this is big. Anderson found that dad's taking leave helps shrink the gender wage gap. When fathers take more leave, it tends to improve mother's labor market outcomes. So moms earn more when dads take a larger part of the leave. And not only do things become more equal in the workplace, they also become more equal at home. She becomes relatively less specialized and he becomes relatively more specialized and that he has more to say in the family. She also has more right to count on him taking responsibility because she would say, now you've had this long time at home, you know how it works. You can also do the cooking or take care of the child when he or she is sick. Anderson has two young kids. They helped her decorate her office. Did they do those drawings on the wall? That's my oldest. <laughs> She's five. I asked her how she split her leave with her husband. So with my first... I had seven months of leave, and my husband took five. And now my husband's actually in his final week of his leave with our son. So we split more or less evenly this time. She told me that because her and her husband took equal time off, their team. So this morning, for instance, my son, I was holding him, and he just wanted to get down on the floor, walked over to my husband, and climbed up to his lap. So he clearly wanted uh, my husband rather than me. I think also in the situation where you have the second child, my oldest is now five, but she still obviously wants her mom. But when our son was born, then she has this strong relationship with my husband so that, that he was a good replacement in any situation for me. So in that situation where it's also difficult as a mom to have two kids that you really want to be with both of them, but they have very different needs, being a, with a partner that is just as good as fulfilling their needs is a clear advantage. That sounds idyllic, but it's rare. Nana Holland, the union official with the son-in-law and the failure cake, she knows Anderson's research, and it worries her. We see that every woman have two years parental leave written in their forehead when they go to a job interview, and, and you're not allowed to ask about stuff like that in an interview, but it is an issue. It's just a hidden one. So if you have two children, you should really talk about that and say, well, I have my children now, and you don't have any, you should um, be a little worried. Because they know that two times, maybe three times, you will be away from your job. I heard this a lot talking to Danish women. Employers expect them to take a lot of leave, whether or not they want to have kids. And that affects their career opportunities. I know from my job that... It is something that is talked about when they hire young women. 
that, oh, she doesn't have children yet and she's that age. It's not official talk, but I know that people talk about it. I've had the same thing as well. If you're 30 years old and you don't have any resume that you're married or you're living with your boyfriend. I was 33 when I got my job and I was just told by friends working within recruitment, don't put it on your resume or anything. It can sometimes be that they don't want to spend the money on uh, hiring you and then three or four months after you actually have to leave. In other words, employers don't want to spend the money hiring and training young women if they're soon going to have a baby and take a year off work. They might look at young women candidates and think... She needs maternity leave and then it's going to be expensive. And that's why the reason it's so important to make equal rights for men and women. Because then you should share that burden. Women in Denmark are doing a lot of unpaid work in the family. It's like a child penalty that shows in your wages, that shows in your career opportunities, and also in your pension later on. It's a vicious cycle. If fathers take parental leave, it usually means the family takes a financial hit. But if they don't... It's hard to address the pay gap problem, so you have to start somewhere. They do have to start somewhere. And they might learn a lot from one of their neighboring countries. A country that saw this exact problem, changed their leave policies, and set aside time for mom and dad. We'll go there after the break. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to The Impact. A thousand miles northwest of Denmark, another Scandinavian heaven has used parental leave to prioritize gender equity at home and work. I'm talking about Iceland. It's home to just 350,000 people. Iceland is a small country and it's like 
saying that everyone knows everyone. A third of the population lives in Reykjavik, including a young mom named Snai Friedish. She's 30 years old, and she lives in an apartment with her partner Niels and their daughter Aurora. Snai Friedish and Niels are raising Aurora to speak Icelandic and English. She turned three in June. And when she was born, her parents knew. Definitely it was that I would take three months and he would take three months. And for us, I took the additional three months. This was partly a personal family choice, but it was also one shaped by policy. Around the year 2000, it was actually made obligatory for the fathers to take paternity leave. That's Katrin Jakobsdottir, the Prime Minister of Iceland, the second woman in Icelandic history to hold the job. Iceland used to have a leave policy that looked a lot like Denmark's. It let couples split their leave, and like Denmark, women took most of it. But that new law she's talking about, it's really different. It earmarks three entire months just for dads. Implementing the obligational paternity leave has made a difference in the culture of men in Iceland, a very positive difference. This is sometimes called a father quota, and other countries have it too, but Iceland has had the most leave allocated to dads for the longest time. Because of this policy, Icelandic moms and dads share their leave more equally than parents in similar countries. And what has happened is that fathers take more active part in the bringing up of their babies, which really makes all the difference both at home, but also in the job market. Remember what Nana Holand said, that in Denmark... Every woman have two years parental leave written in their forehead when they go to a job interview. Well, with the father quota in Iceland... Now you can actually expect if you're hiring a young man or a young woman, both will take uh, a maternity or paternity leave. So if you want to change the culture, you can't just sit down and wait. You have to do something about it. This law changed how Iceland thinks about parenting. A generation ago, the laws were different, and the culture was too. Niels says that when he was growing up in the 1980s... Then I think men were just expected to work. Today, Icelandic culture is very different. It would be so hard, like in our society, if word would get around that a company was trying to stop you or or give you some sort of a feeling that that you should not use this right of yours, I think it would play out pretty badly for that company. And when Niels told his boss that he planned to take leave? It was basically just, great, enjoy your time. Uh, It is just so common here in Iceland. When he was home alone with his daughter, he couldn't depend on his wife. And Aurora couldn't depend on her mom. We kind of had to learn by doing ourselves, so I think that really strengthened our relationship. And it strengthened his relationship with his partner, too. I took care of the house during that time, just like Sniper had to do when she was on her parental leave. So I think also, you know, it really helped us understand each other's obligations during the leave. I think leave is not a correct word for it. It's it's parental Parental work. work, yeah. This is so important just for equality in the family and in the relationship. They also think it's about what's best for their child. It's the right of the child to get time with each parent and 
For us, that, that resulted in her being just as dependent on me as she is on her father. Icelandic moms still take more time off than Icelandic dads. And the country still has a gender wage gap, although it has shrunk in the last decade. The European Union Commission, that's the EU governing body, it wants to make something like the Iceland model standard. It's working on a proposal that would give men and women equal parental leave, four months for mom and four months for dad, and it would be non-transferable. Dad would have to use it or lose it. Same with mom. The Danish call this earmarked leave. Personally, I think it's a great idea. (laughs) But that's because I think that we already put an earmark on the women. So personally, Holland's on board, but... As confederation unions, we are not for it. Why is that? I think it's because you are afraid that you will lose some of the, the leave. If it's too hard for the men to take it, then the family will have less. And that will also be my concern. So that's why I was thinking, yes, to earmark, but maybe we should find a way with a little bit of a room for also being flexible. Holland doesn't want her union members and their families to lose out on any paid leave. And she's worried that if Denmark moves to this use-it-or-lose-it earmark model, dads might just give up their paid time off instead of using it. She's not the only one with this concern. I want to offer some rights to the fathers, but I don't want to make it less flexible than this today. That's Langhoff, the member of parliament. Because if you start earmarking it, it means that if the fathers don't take that amount of weeks, the child is losing its right to be with its family. This is our season finale, and thinking back on our season and our reporting, it's really clear that all the policies we implement really reflect what we value. Our stories from Oakland, from Vermont, from South Carolina, all of these policy experiments make statements about what is a problem and how it should be fixed. In Iceland, it seems like the government thought that women taking more leave than men was a problem because it led to gender inequity, because it made the wage gap worse. So Iceland passed a policy to fix the problem, and it seems to be working. In Denmark, people claim to see the gender imbalance as a problem. But when push comes to shove, they value a leave policy that prioritizes flexibility even if that means women take a lot more leave than men, and even if that means a bigger gender wage gap. It feels a little funny to be an American nitpicking Danish leave policy. Sure, we live in a country with no paid leave. But still, when I left Denmark, I kept thinking about what this all means for Danish women. I thought about this story that Nana Holen told me. She said that when her son was born, she and her husband shared leave. I remember it very closely because when I had my leave... I made the house every day. So when her baby was sleeping... I was running around vacuum cleaning and making it all nice and shiny so it could be nice when he got home. When he took his leave, he was outside all day with the, with the child. And when I came home, the laundry was all over and the dishes. And In the start, I was annoyed and I was thinking, why doesn't he do any of this? And then I realized that he was doing it in a very clever way. He was using the time with his child. Why did I think I have to do the home? And that's just some of the stereotypes, that I was the kind of mom who could both have a child and have a nice home. Nana Holland is a pretty powerful woman. 
vice president of Denmark's largest union in a country that loves unions. But even she struggled with gender stereotypes that are familiar to a lot of women all over the world. If we want to close the gender wage gap, we need dads to take time off when their kids are born. We need them to take on an equal share of childcare and housework. Denmark and Iceland show that these changes are unlikely to happen unless the government steps in and declares. Dads need to take time off with their babies, too. Without a policy change, it seems like a lot of Danish dads are going to get stuck baking failure cakes for generations to come. Jillian Weinberger is the senior producer for our show. Our editor is Amy Drozdowska, and our producer is Bird Pinkerton. This episode was mixed and scored by Jared Paul. Our theme song is by Jukebox the Ghost, and we had other music from Chris Zabriskie, Paddington Bear, and APM. A special thank you to Noam Hassenfeld for such wonderful music this season. A huge thank you to Johnny Harris, Joe Posner, and the Explained on Netflix crew. They let us use that tape of the Icelandic prime minister. The interview is from an Explained episode on the gender wage gap that Johnny and I reported together earlier this year. If you like this story, you are going to love that episode. You can find it on Netflix. Just search for Vox Explained. We spoke to so many generous Danes for this episode. A big thank you to Soren Brandenburg, Yara de Castro, Soren Bank and Bodil Nordeskard Ismirs. And thank you to Mike and Christofferson, Marie Christensen, Lise Kelsen, and Simone Madsen. And finally, thank you to Yochi Driesen, Allison Rocky, and Bridget Schulte. This is sadly our season finale. We are wrapping up season two. It has flown by, and there's just a couple of people I want to thank who have made this show a reality. Liz Shelton's, who still works here on our video team, helped me pitch the show to Vox. It wouldn't have gotten off the ground without her. Ezra Klein has always been a big, big believer in the impact and an advocate in the show. And my editor here, Laura McGann, has given me a lot of space to work on this project. Also here at Vox Media, I want to thank Nishat Kurwa, Sujata Mitra, Lauren Katz, and Zach Khan for all of their invaluable works getting the show out into the wild. Last, and obviously not least, I want to thank you, our listeners. You have been such a help for this season. When we asked for ideas of policy experiments we should cover, we got hundreds. And half our episodes, they came from the ideas you submitted. This season literally would not have been possible without you guys. So what should we do next? We are hard at work thinking about future seasons of The Impact and hopefully won't be gone for too long. If you want to hear more seasons, if you have thoughts about what we should cover, email us. You can always reach us at impactatvox.com. Thank you so, so much for listening to season two of The Impact. We should be back in your ears before too long. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.